and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show, but there is no Wolf today. There is Max Starks. Max, what's going on? I figure I'd give a wolf call. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't know Did if that, that was... Did that work? That, no. Well, I, I mean, it yes. It didn't work. It, it, could, it was kind of like a wolf call. I didn't know if that was like a coyote's howl because they won last night. I didn't know if you were... I, well, I, I mean, you, you know, hey, hey, you know, if the shoe fits, right? <laughs> you know, we just just let, let let it fit. It could be coyote call. It could be a wolf call. Uh, yes, I am happy to be here with you, Luke. This has been a while since we have cohorted and co-hosted together. I am excited. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they, um, you know, they you come on every Wednesday, obviously, but they don't usually let us have four hours together as a show. And when they do, it's usually at six in the morning, but not the case today. And I tell you what, right out of the gate, we got a basketball game that I'm not sure I totally expected the outcome of last night to talk about. The Suns go into Memphis. The Suns are beat up. They don't have Devin Booker, but they don't have, also have Cam Johnson or Campaign or Landry Shamit. Obviously, they're not load managing Landry Shamit. They would love for him to be out out there taking advantage of these minutes. They go into Memphis and they win going away, Max. Listen, once again, I mean, we look at this and we say, are we surprised? Yes, absolutely we're surprised. But at the same time, I mean, this Suns team is figuring themselves out. And when you can get one of these unexpected victories against Ja and company and some of the bigger names, you know, in the West, I mean, you have to just, just bravo, bravo. I mean, a great job, a high scoring affair. And, and it wasn't even like it was a close nail biter, like, well, the Knicks and the Mavs yeah. <laughs> and that whole debacle. Uh, but it was, it was a convincing victory as well. I think that was the other thing, Luke. Like it wasn't, it wasn't down to the wire. Like they had a control over it and a comfortability when it got to the end of the game. They did. And you had John Morant going off for 22 in the third quarter and the Suns winning the third quarter anyway. And we saw the Suns yeah. look like the defensive team that we've known them to be in the past, especially in the second quarter. They really just took control that game in the second quarter and you know you could always you can always bend the schedule and, and the stats and look at them certain ways but now I just look at these last two games where they've been severely depleted and you have uh, an impressive win last night over Memphis and even the game on Sunday on Christmas against Denver you lose in overtime but you know Denver had Jokic playing out of his mind and and Jamal Murray was playing well and the Suns you know lost Booker early didn't have Cam Johnson didn't have campaign the fact that they were even in that game and honestly probably should have won it if Chris Paul could hit some free throws that's crazy now this is two of the best teams in the NBA that they have hung with or beaten in the last two games without a, a huge chunk of their actual lineup well, and I think that that's th this is now that opportunity where you're starting to see what the what, what the Suns roster can be, right? You're starting to see guys kind of start to gel, and you're starting to figure out. Everybody's starting to figure out roles because it was kind of wonky, you know, at, at the beginning, and you're trying to figure it out. And yes, the superstars were there, you know, and, but now it's like, okay, 
how do we really start to meld as a team now that teams have kind of figured us out? How are we going to get back into the groove of things? And I thought, you know, yes, you had, you had that heartbreaker in Denver, right? You know, it's, it's overtime. You kind of lose that one. Uh, but to come back after having such a big loss to the Memphis Grizzlies and then show that you guys have finally kind of, kind of righted the ship mentally and got yourself into, into a, into a bit of a groove and come back and answer. I mean, because you're looking at what was it? Four days in between that Memphis games. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the twenty, yeah, twenty third, now the twenty seventh. Yeah, uh, and, and to and to look completely different, and actually to turn the table on the, the Memphis Grizzlies, you put up one twenty five instead of them putting up one twenty five. I thought that I thought that was really good. I, I don't know how you don't feel better about this team today, and I'm not saying that their trajectory of their entire season just changed or anything, but like even the Denver game, I feel that. So the way the Denver game played out, we were talking about this yesterday. You're kind of past the point of moral victories when you won sixty four games last year and you were in the finals the year before. But can you take something from the Denver game as a sign, like, okay, they, they still are finding that identity like you're talking about. If they go out there and just get hammered by Memphis last night, that Denver game, just that effort gets lost. Like, you just forget about it. But to follow it up with a win over Memphis is like, okay, we are starting to see some resiliency from this team. And I don't know how it's going to play out because I still think ultimately you'd like to have some games where all your guys are actually playing together. But just the fact that you you are showing that sort of identity you had last year and that, that uh, unwillingness to just kind of roll over for a good team like this, I, I don't know. I mean, that that's a good sign, if nothing else. This is DeAndre Ayton uh, postgame talking about the stretch they're in right now. Most definitely. And you know how we are. We are next man up mentality. We, we really don't have no uh, no excuses on you know who we do not have. We, we miss our guys for sure, and we playing for them. But at the end of the day, next man up, and they got to finish the job. He also said uh, teams weren't respecting the Suns. Last time we uh, had, had our first meeting at, the, at home, you know, them guys really out-rebounded us. Uh, they was in our pain a lot. I think tonight we really locked in as a team and, you know, just got to the grit and grind of just playing Suns basketball, you know, defense first and then offense second, you know, letting it create our offense back, back, in, uh, back on the other end. But just everybody just coming together, man, and being on the same page. Coach Mont, you know, set the tone early that, you know, teams ain't respecting us, man. And, you know, we took, we take, we taking that to heart big time, man. Yeah, no, we got yeah. back on our feet. Max, it's funny watching that game, especially in the second quarter, you couldn't help but have the thought of, like, are the Suns, did they just sneak up on Memphis tonight? Did Memphis really think, okay, this will just be easy? You know, and maybe they did. The Suns were missing some players. It, it, it's, I get it. It's human nature. But it is still, there are still remnants of the Suns team that they're trying to run out there. I, I, is it possible Memphis is like, okay, this one will be, this is a free win because they're beat up? Yeah, I mean, they definitely might have taken them for granted. And I think for the Suns, people, you know, people have been talking negative about them, right? I mean, you, you think about, you know, just the issues this offseason and, and, and how that affected kind of what they were coming into and the quote-unquote chemistry. But even though the chemistry was really not an issue early on, you know, you now get that five-game losing streak in there. Then now people want to kind of throw shade on them and start to pile dirt on them. And you know, I I, I liked what DeAndre said. You know, hey, we we're still a team out here. You know, we're coming out here to compete. And you know, hey, 
you want to talk bad about the Suns, it's like, look what we did tonight. Uh, we came in, we've adjusted, and you don't have your superstars out there. You know, you don't have your superstar out there, Devin Booker. I mean, he's dealing with a groin. So, you know, for them to come out, for Washington Jr. to come in and, and, and really have a solid game like he did, uh, have a career-high night, I thought – also, and John Morant still got his. Yeah, he did. But the rest of the team did not get theirs. And I thought that was the important thing. You, hey, listen, one guy can eat, but don't let the rest of the guys eat in the process. And you'll, good things will happen. Um, you know, it was just, it was a great effort to see because this is what builds the character of your squad as you go deeper into the year. You know, you lose pieces at different points. Who is going to step in and be the next piece, right? One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity and possible fortune in the process. So how are these guys going to respond? How's the bench going to respond? Because your bench player is just a starter and waiting. That's why you're on the roster. <laughs> you know, it's not just you hope. sit there and watch. <laughs> well, I mean, but that, that's the mentality that you have to have, right? That, that That's what they should have in those situations. And... You know, like, like, like you said, the resiliency that was displayed, that, you know, that hopefully pays dividends later on in the year, you know, because like you said, Cam Johnson, what, Cam, Cam Johnson campaign and Devin Booker being out, that's huge guys who, who fit into the wheel of this. So now, and they, oh, Shamit, sorry, Shamit. Well, yeah, even, out. even um, Shamit, I mean, because, because, okay, you lose Booker. There's not really any, yeah. you don't just replace him, but at least in under normal you circumstances, know. you would say, okay, well, Cam Johnson, maybe he picks up the scoring. Well, he hasn't been playing in almost two months. So then the last week or so, you'd say, well, Landry Shamit's been red hot, but he's not even playing. I think what it is, and we'll get back into this in a little bit, the biggest thing for me out of that game last night is the resiliency because that was a foundation this team was built on last year and it went away in Game 6 and Game 7 against the Mavericks in the playoffs. And there have been times this year where it's like, hey, the Suns are down 10 and all of a sudden they're down 28 and the game's just over. And that that was not the case last night. They withstood that run by John Morant uh, and the Grizzlies and they did it very shorthanded. All right, when we come back, we'll get uh, into football. Is the Cliff Kingsbury-Kyler Murray dynamic salvageable? That is a question that uh, has to be answered, and it has to be answered the right way this offseason. Otherwise, this team's going to have problems for a while. We'll get back into it. That's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Like we always do with this Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Max Starks is in for Wolf today. It is Wolf and Luke on this Wednesday. Interested to see how far we go into this week, Max, before we actually break down the Atlanta Falcons, who the Cardinals do play this weekend. But it feels just like at this point, all that really matters is big picture stuff with the Cardinals. And uh, and to that end, there was that story that we got into a little bit with Kellen yesterday, the ESPN story over the, the weekend that went into a lot of different areas of potential dysfunction or at least areas of concern with the Cardinals. But the one that stood out as the biggest for me was, can you salvage this relationship? Or maybe the relationship's fine. But if there's any sort of issue between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, how do you fix that? How do you how do you fix that dynamic? And and is this the sort of thing that we're gonna not know it's unfixable until it's too late, or is this a big off season for those two? I mean, th- th- this is a tremendous off season, not only for those two, but just for the Suns organization. I mean, sorry, not the Suns, the the Cardinals organization. Um, th- th- this year did not go 
anywhere near what they expected. In fact, this was this was the opposite of that. This went into the dumpster fire category um, when you think about the Cardinals' season. Um, you know, so many issues swirling around and so many things that have to be tempered. And you think about what was last offseason, right, Luke? I mean, you know, just the whirlwind tornado uh, that was to get to the season, to get here with Kyler. And, you know, I look at the relationship and the relationship wasn't great before you paid before you paid Kyler and before Cliff got that extension. And it just seemed to have gotten worse once you paid both of those guys. Yeah. So, you know, that's where I feel like I don't know if there is a salvageable point because it wasn't great before you made this decision, right? So where where they can grow, I mean, they're going to actually have to have a sit-down and have a heart-to-heart together. I don't know if they've had that. Well, they're, they're going to have where, to. That's where I worry. Because, yeah, yeah. It, the only good thing that that came out, or the only thing that I could wrap my head around when they gave Cliff the the five year extension, the only good thing because I remember that came out right as we were going on the air one day, and we were, we were just kind of looking at each other like, what just happened? They gave him a five year extension or a five month extension. Um, the <laughs> only good thing about it at the time that was like, okay, well at least you've empowered your coach, so now your quarterback can't look at him and be like, yeah, whatever, man, you can tell me whatever you think, but come on, I was the first overall pick, and you know, you're, you you could be gone in a year, I'm not going anywhere. Now, as it turns out, that's sort of still the same thing. I mean, the talk since about week three has, has been, is Cliff gone? Kyler Murray's not going anywhere, because... A, you just paid him all that money. B, you've invested a lot into him. You need him to be good. C, even if you wanted to get rid of him, and they don't, but if even if you did, you really can't now with that contract and this injury. Um, I'm not saying there is an issue between these two guys, but there's been so many different whispers and reports. And what's the old saying? Where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been so much of it that even if the, the relationship between them isn't as bad as it's been made out to be, it certainly has seemed like at times they're not on the same page. Well, yeah, I mean, it it absolutely looks like there is a divergence uh, between them, a clear divergence. And, you know, I don't know if that, like you said, it's the empowering of Kyler Murray um, or it's just the nature of Cliff Kingsbury. But, you know, this offseason, I think the biggest thing that they have to answer, which I think should be a very big point, is who is going to be the play caller? Because yeah, it's kind of I think important. You, you ha- yeah, yeah. Because you have, you, you, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, sorry, you've got to relinquish it. You've got to. Re- I know that that was the big draw. That was why you brought Cliff Kingsbury in. He's a head coach who could be an OC, and the OC can't get hired away to somebody else. Well, we've seen what that experiment looks like. Go get an OC. Go get somebody to call the plays and allow Cliff Kingsbury to just be the head coach. And I know that that is a tough thing to relinquish. That is not what Cliff has done. But we have now seen, as we look at this record, as we look at how the team has gone, this is not the direction you want to go in. This is not where it was supposed to be. The season has been everything but what you want it. 4-11 is just inexcusable with all of the resources that you have put into the offensive side of the ball and into the team, 
there should be a better result than this. Well, four and eleven, and, and four and eleven feels like zero and fifteen. I mean, let's not yeah, like four and yeah, eleven is ever going to feel good, but it, it, this doesn't even feel like they have four wins. This is Cliff yesterday. So the report came out over the uh, the Christmas weekend, but he was asked yesterday, "Okay, is there any truth to this ESPN report?" There was a report in Yeah, that cuts from Friday. That that's that is um, related to a different part of this that we can get into. Although I would imagine if you don't have a good relationship with your quarterback and the two of you were brought in essentially together, that uh, that that would not make you very happy. Now, here's the other part of this. This is Jeremy Fowler who uh, wrote that ESPN piece with Josh Weinfuss uh, yesterday. He talked about whether or not this situation is even salvageable at this point. I do believe it's salvageable. Crazy as that sounds, because yeah. I've talked to some people in Arizona that, that I trust, and granted, uh, there hasn't been a decision yet on, on Kingsbury's future, but they think there's a path to Cliff Kingsbury staying there because he's had really no GM all season. Uh, it's been a personal department in flux, and they've had crazy injuries. So uh, that could give him a pass here a little bit. We'll see, though. So I, I don't know. The, the relationship between Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury is at the heart of the problem. That would have to improve somehow. Now, they have a lot of shared history, so maybe they can come to a sweet spot and if they can get better offensive line play better offensive line personnel i think that could go a long way for both of them to just kind of feel comfortable because really they just couldn't move the ball all year and, and that was part of the frustration so if they're having more success um maybe it maybe it comes to that max there's there's so much to unpack here and and they can't really be wrong on any of these decisions but you you could absolutely look at this situation look first of all if you can get sean payton i i don't think that there's really a decision you, you're gonna have to get sean payton but if it's not sean payton yeah. and you're looking at like okay, we could bring in another coach that hasn't proven it yet, or we could uh, we could stick with Cliff because we really didn't. The GM situation was strange this year, and everybody is hurt. I mean, those are legitimate things. Then, to your point, maybe you just bring in a play caller. But <laughs> the bottom line is, it, whether it's Cliff's fault or not, if he and Kyler aren't on the same page, you can't get rid of Kyler. You're going to have to make a, a, a change at coach. So they got to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and there's a lot of money involved with that decision too, right? Yeah. Uh, money out regardless, either money lost with Cliff or money having to be spent to bring in a new head coach. Um, however this is going to be, it, it is... It's, it's a big one. And then, like you said, the GM issues, uh, Steve Kime you know, stepping away for health reasons and then having... You know, having Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris come in and kind of assume those managerial roles. Um, this is just, this is just a flux situation when you're talking about from the management and, and just, and le- leadership aspects of this team before you even get into the personnel, um, issues. Like you said, so many injuries to also account for in this process. Um, but man, it, whoever takes—I mean, it is—it it, is—it is a hornet's nest right now um, with the Cardinals, and so you hope that things can temper down and that you can get back to some normalcy and make some hires. You've also lost two coaches this season, um, and that—that's a whole other issue in and of itself. Um, 
that so you're going to have to really revamp and uh, and look at the staff and kind of retool yourself uh, moving forward if, if it is Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, or if not. But I mean, a lot of things have to change this offseason. And but the central thing that needs to be figured out is head coach quarterback. What is that relationship? And also, can the quarterback mature enough? in that position to be open to hearing that because that's why I think the questions are is because we've seen for four years that it has not been a great communicative relationship on the field. Yeah. Like I said, we don't know what happens be outside of the game field on game day, what the day to day looks like. That's where we need to kind of have a little peek or we need to have some insight into that. Um, you know, there is a lot of hearsay, right? A lot of people that leak information. But is that really true? I mean, that's what you, we kind of have to figure out because this is a huge decision. This is a huge offseason because are you going to regress again and continue to fall further down into that rabbit hole? Well, you can't. Or are you going to rise out of it? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah well, you, you could, could, but you, you can't. Four, you have four less wins than no, you do I, right now. I understand you could do it, but you can't do that. Like, we, we, all, we used to run you these promos. We used to run these promos the last couple of years during the offseason of like, hey, is this the most important Cardinals offseason? You know, this one is up there, the one that's coming up. And this season at this point feels like a fight where you're just trying to get to the bell and get, get to the end of the round. But it's like the Cardinals have just been knocked out laying on the floor for like the last three games and we're still trying to get through this there's still two games left uh text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 62620 right now when we come back all right going into week 17 who are the best teams in the nfl we'll give you our top five with our nfl power pull next it's wolf and luke max starks in for wolf on arizona sports the local sports leader who is the best in the nfl wolf and luke's nfl power 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 Brought to you by IBEW Local 640, the best electricians in the world. All right, it is time for the NFL Power Pool Week 17 edition. I think, I think Max, Max Starks in for Wolf today. I think we're getting some clarity as we head into these final two weeks of the season. But uh, let's, let's figure this out here right now. We will start at number five. Number five. All right, Max, you're the guest. I'll let you go first. Or you can defer. It's your oh. Oh, you would you would give me such an honor. Yes. All right, number five. Don't I'm, waste you know it. what? I'm Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. My number five team. I think the Bengals, even though you know you have some tough matchups coming up ahead, I think they're a team that is uh, that's starting to peak at the right time, and they're a team that's built for the playoffs. When you look at the AFC picture, I know it's a little bit cloudy up at the top, but they are they're they're, they're inching closer. I know they had a setback. Uh, last week, but I think I think they're a team that's primed to ready a big matchup against Buffalo. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's legit. I, they are my number six team. I don't have, quite have them in the top five. I went back and forth, but I, I'm going to stick to this all the way through the end of their season, Max. I don't think they're a Super Bowl threat, but I think they're going to take somebody really good out in the playoffs. They're going to they are going to upset things in the uh, in the AFC playoff picture. My number five, and it pains me to put them here, and it's really not because they beat a beat up Eagles team, but I. I, I like that uh, Cowboys defense. I'm going to put Dallas in there at number five, and I hope full well. We are talking at some point in the playoffs about how they melted down again because it's really one of my favorite traditions in the NFL, and uh, I would love to keep that going this year. <laughs> All right, on to what? yeah, on to number four. <laughs> number four. four. 
right, who you got? All right, th- 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 this is one that I, I struggle with. That you had them at five. I put them a little bit higher, and I got Dallas Cowboys at number four uh, because, like you said, they're going to upset the apple cart. And uh, I think that they have the defense that that can give problems in the playoff. Not necessarily being that you know what Jerry Jones was thinking. Oh my gosh, we're go- we're going to see the Eagles again, but you don't want to see the Eagles again. Not with Jalen Hurts healthy. No. So I got them there right now. I think because of the victory over Philly. All right. Well, let, let's have this real conversation about the Cowboys for a second. Since neither one of us likes them, that defense is legit, right? I mean, I I, I fully believe, like I said, the intangibles to melt down as they always do, and, and for something strange to happen and them to lose or run out the clock on themselves in the playoff game like they did last year. But as we sit here on December 28th, that is a pretty good football team. It is. It is. I have I have to give credit where credit is due. And albeit, I don't know their offense, you know, outside of Tony Pollard being the linchpin of everything because Dak just doesn't look especially great. And, but the defense is solid, and they, they, they know how to hold teams to just one point less than the, than the opponent, uh, than their offense can put on there. So i got to give them credence. They have 11 wins. All right, I have this team in at number four. I know that there are still questions at the quarterback position, but they keep winning. i got San Francisco at number four. I feel like they are the one most, maybe not most complete team, but right there as one of the most complete teams. And they've won eight in a row, Max. And I don't really feel like anybody is surprised surprised by that. They have the second uh, best point differential in the NFL this year behind only Buffalo. And again, they're doing that with a combination of Trey Lance and Jimmy G and now Brock Purdy at quarterback. So I got the the 49ers at number four. (laughs) Number three. Three. Who you got at number three? San Francisco. Oh, why? (laughs) Wait, so you're going to be missing somebody here. Okay. You got San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I got San Francisco at number three. I think, you know, San Francisco is one of those teams that's just, I like them a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, I just, you know, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like they're surging in the right direction. When you have a great defense and a solid run game, that's what you need this time of year. And that can carry you. I've watched, I've watched rookie quarterbacks and second year quarterbacks ascend to a Super Bowl. Um, and right now, they have the formula right now if you're San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I get the argument that, you know, it's a it's a rookie last round, last pick overall in the draft at quarterback. But I can't imagine wanting to play San Francisco in the playoffs, at least not right now when they're the hottest team in football. At number three, I have Kansas City. I feel like they're kind of on cruise control right now. They've run away with that division that was supposed to be a very difficult division. I'm guessing Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. I watched this season, Max, and I'm like, how did a team that had Mahomes and Tyreek Hill not win more Super Bowls with Tyreek now in Miami? But I can't go any lower than number three with Kansas City. All right, on to number two. Number two. Number two. I have I have Kansas City as my number two team. All right. For yeah, all the you're reasons gonna I just put who, out there. You're, you're going to have somebody yeah. really good not on this list. Yeah, and they're sitting there right at number six, and it's going to surprise everybody. So I like this. I can't wait. I can't wait for this one because my number one team is uh, a surprising one. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm going to just I'll, I'll just keep going with a team that probably should be number one. They have the best record, but and I don't. I'm not like anti Gardner Minshew. I think he's fine. 
but uh, with the way the number one team is playing, I, I got to have Philadelphia drop to number two right now. If we're doing this power poll right now, I would I would say Philadelphia, the favorite to come out of the NFC, but would not be my pick to win the Super Bowl. All right, on to number one. I, this is the most anticipated number one in the history of the power poll. You're, whatever you're about to say right here, Max. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. All right, Max Starks, who do you have at number one? Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I have Philadelphia at number one. Boom! Sorry, Buffalo Bills. You are my number six team. I don't trust you. And I still have faith because at the end of the day, as it stands right now, I know there's no Jalen Hurts. But here's the thing. We saw what the difference is when you have a Jalen Hurts and when you don't have a Jalen Hurts. So I'm appreciative of Nick Sirianni going above and beyond and saying, I need this guy for the long haul because we have a Super Bowl run to go against. So I have Philadelphia at number one. Buffalo. I don't know if they can hold on and secure this number one seed. It's shaky. If they're not in Buffalo, I think we have a similar result from last year. So, <coughs> so <coughs> I have to go with Philadelphia being number one because I believe they will sew up the number one seed and they will have home field advantage. And with a healthier Jalen Hurts given time off, they are going to be problems for anybody in this playoff hunt, and nobody wants to go up there to Philly and play them, especially when it comes to playoff time. I know they have issues with the run game. I know Bart Scott's called them out and said that they're not tough. I believe they're too talented, and that talent is the T that makes up for toughness, and I think that they are the number one team. And sorry, Buffalo, I just don't believe you. Bart Scott, for the record, has called everybody out at this point. Look, I I don't have a a disagreement with you at Philadelphia number one. I have Buffalo at number one right now. But, um, man, you're going to – I feel like Lorenzo Alexander just turned his car around wherever he's driving, and he's he's looking for Matt. Oh, that's okay. I I welcome all of it in this rainy conditions. You know, just be safe out there, Lorenzo, if you're looking for me. You know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got Buffalo number one. They they are on a roll. Now, I'll give you, a lot of these games have not been as um, convincing, maybe, as, as you would have expected. And it's just, it's going to come down, honestly, to what the matchups are in the AFC. In one of these teams, either Kansas City or Buffalo, is going to have to play an extra playoff game. And that's going to be real tough uh, to navigate when that extra playoff game might include, I don't know, the Chargers in round one, who you should beat, but they may take a little bit out of you, and then Joe Burrow and the Bengals in round two or whatever, and then Kansas City or Buffalo in round three. We'll see, but uh, I think we're getting some clarity at least on who the top six teams are right now. Is that, you still got to go to Cincinnati this this Sunday. That'll and tell what us a are you lot. going to do? I'm oh, sorry, Monday night. Monday night. You got Monday night football uh, in Cincy. Burrow versus Allen. Who will come out and emerge? But also, this also puts things in perspective because if you are Cincinnati, you have some. You could potentially fight for that number one seed because you would have tiebreakers over Kansas City. That's crazy. And now Buffalo. Yeah, that's crazy. Think about that. that. How this season started for Cincinnati, they could actually have the one seed potentially if they can win against Buffalo. They're hosting them. And that might even be a better Monday Night Football game than whatever we just watched the Colts and Chargers do on this uh, Monday. Yeah, I don't even. What what, what happened with the Colts and Chargers? I, I don't know. Literally nothing. I, I can't. I can't. I can't watch the Colts. I'm sorry, Jeff Saturday. I love him as a person. 
Jason, but absolutely not. All right, that was uh, the NFL Power Poll heading into Week 17. When we come back, the Phoenix Suns had eight players in double figures last night, and one of them went off. So how long can they survive like this? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Max Starks, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back to basketball. Nice win for the Suns last night. Maybe even better than nice. Very, very impressive. Maybe a message-sending win for the Suns last night. Going into Memphis, every team seems to be missing players this season. But Memphis Memphis had Jaron Jackson Jr. They had John Morant. They had Desmond Bain. The Suns beat him by 17, Max, without Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, or Landry Shamit. I think it's a game the Suns, they really needed a win like that. Now, they play again tonight against Washington, so we'll see how they can follow up the back-to-back when they're this depleted. And Kevin Ray of Valley Sports will join us for game day with K. Ray next hour. Um, a couple things stood out about that game, though, last night. You mentioned it before, Max. Memphis had two guys in double figures. John Morant went off. He had 34. Desmond Bain didn't shoot well. He had 14. Nobody else hit double figures. For the Suns, they had eight guys in double figures. And Dwayne Washington Jr., 26 points on 10 of 21 shooting. Uh, he's definitely somebody I'm going to ask K-Ray about next hour because if you have a guy that can score like that, it feels like there's some sort of role that could be carved out for him even when everybody uh, is finally healthy, whenever that is. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was it was something that was, that was good to see. I mean, w- w- one thing you have to realize, when you have injuries and you have opportunities you want to see who steps up big in those moments and I thought you know Washington Jr. just absolutely showed um, some huge some huge C.O. Jones there and really had an opportunity to, to, to really step into the limelight. You needed someone to step in when your superstar is out and and you can't just be idle. You know you, you have that blowout loss, of course, against against uh, against Memphis, just on the twenty third. You then take, you know, the Joker and company to the hilt in overtime and lose by three. And then it's like, well, what are we going to do? Who are we going to be made of? And then, boom, you have this game against, like you said, a, a relatively healthy Memphis squad. And it it, lo- it looked good. Now, what's your follow-up act? Because you're now going to have to deal with, you know, having these challenges and can you sustain success. But for Dwayne Washington Jr., I mean, just – a great night, a great night, and that's all you can say about it, right? Even in the midst of John Morant getting 34 points, um, a lot of those coming from from the free throw line because he's so explosive once he gets into the lane that you're going to foul him, but the team held their resolve, and like you said, the defense really stepped up, and it's funny to say that there was a, it was a defensive matchup when teams are in triple digits, but that's today's NBA, yeah, right? That's, I mean, 100%. <laughs> this, is, this is not the 90s NBA where it's like, oh man, we held him to 80, like that, 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 that does not happen like the volume of shooting just won't allow for it the advent of how guys are shooting literally when they cross half court you know this this is a good game where you can hold them right at 100 points um so it was just it was a solid outing i mean 
everybody stepped up and stepped in big. Yeah, I want to see how they followed up tonight. They get Washington. We had Kellen in here yesterday. He's like, you know, you would almost rather these games were flipped where you got Washington first, go out there and beat the team that just beat you uh, a week ago, but really isn't that good. Washington, they're fine. They're 14 and 21. They've won three of their last four. They just beat Philadelphia last night. And then you, you could almost just kind of chalk up a loss to Memphis as like a schedule loss. But, um, but now this is even better because you have beaten Memphis. It's not like Washington's just been sitting around. They played last night too. So the rest factor maybe doesn't play as much of a role in this game other than, you know, the Suns are very thin and, and specifically a guy like Dwayne Washington. And I asked the question of, of what sort of role you can find for him when everybody comes back. Part of the reason perhaps that he hasn't found that consistent role and he's very early in his career is uh, for a lot of these guys it's okay you can have a big game like that what do you do the next night out you know and and so if he goes out there and pours in 22 tonight and he shoots well again and he's pretty efficient you know you might you might have something to to take a look at there this was uh monty williams after the game talking about his performance he was trying to run the team when he came in which is what we need him to do but i felt like he was trying to do what i wanted him to do as opposed to being himself and uh, the one thing we don't want to do is force our agenda or our plan onto a guy in his game. We feel like the system is built for guys to expand the system, not the other way around. And uh, he's a guy that can score the ball a lot like campaign. And uh, we needed every bit of it tonight. I thought he gave us a great deal of juice. Um, he gave us a bit of an edge on the floor, and, and it really helped Chris. You know, when you can play a game like that and only have to play Chris for 23 minutes, that says a lot about how Wash plays tonight. Yeah, that's Monty Williams, uh, Dwayne Washington. Uh, Dwayne Rankin posted that. And then this is uh, post-game audio DeAndre Ayton talking about Dwayne Washington's performance. I'm super proud of Dwayne. He took the challenge on. Um, you know, it's a lot of pressure, you know, backing up C, backing up Hook. And, you know, the dude is young and he's just talkative. And, you know, C was guiding him the whole night, him and, him and campaign. And, you know, they guided him through and they gave him confidence. He was setting good screens and he was finding us as well. And he just kept the motion going on both ends, man. You know, it's not like it's not like Dwayne Washington can do anything in the next week or two that's going to make you think, okay, the Suns don't need to add anybody. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if he can kind of establish himself as a scorer off the bench, that's you can never have too many of those, Max. And uh, and right now, when you look at the Suns, kind of in survival mode with the schedule they have and the guys they're missing, they need a guy like Dwayne Washington, especially with Landry Shamit out now too. Yeah, no, you you got to have that. I mean, when you look at that, um, you know, the bench scoring. I mean, outside, you know, Lee gave you solid solid minutes and solid solid points as well, getting twelve, and then also with the Koji also coming in and giving you some quality minutes as well. Uh, you, you've got to have this rotation because you know you, you're you're down on elite level talent, so you need to see who can be elite in moments. And right now, Washington is showing you that he can take on that role now like you said what's your follow-up act this is this is a great appetizer but what's the main course look like right what's the next meal look like and that's what you have to kind of see is this a shot in the dark and was this a flash in the pan or is this going to be something that can be sustained especially when you get booked back when you start to get pieces back healthy cam johnson come back into the rotation how is it going to look and can you depend on this can you roll out a full second squad 
and not have a significant drop off and not worry about, you know, mitigating damage when they're in there. But can they be explosive and also be a change up to what your starters are already doing? Well, and the other part of this now, too, is Landry Shamit. Um, we're going to have to just wait and see what his status is going forward. But Chris Paul uh, had a left calf injury during the game last night. Now he, you know, it's tough to kind of get a read on him because this game was a blowout in the fourth quarter. So he didn't play in the fourth, but. You know, he probably wouldn't have anyway. They won by 17. They were up by 17 going into the fourth, too. So you got to obviously wait and see what happens here with Chris Paul. It's, it's very, it's very strange, Max, because this is a team that coming into the season, you're like, okay, they got to be careful with the injuries. Uh, you know, obviously, if a guy is out and he maybe should miss five games, maybe he'll miss seven this season just to be extra careful and make sure everybody's healthy by the end of the year. But for the most part, you know, you want to see Cam Johnson playing. You want to see Landry Shamit. You want to see DA, some of these younger guys playing. You figure Chris Paul would be the guy out of the lineup. And I know he missed time, but right now he's like the only guy consistently in the lineup, which other than Mikel Bridges. So they, um, you're going to have to we'll keep an eye on that, certainly, if the news comes down before the end of the show as far as his injury because again they do play tonight and he did get hurt last night even though he said he's good after the game yeah, no, <laughs> injuries are key. And for Chris Paul, let's face it, he's fighting father time as well. So you got to be very careful, you know, to see how he can play. And that if he can't go against Washington, then a lot of pressure is going to be on Washington. And that, that ups the minute count um, significantly because you're down at, at, at that point guard position. So you need to be very, very careful um, how you do this because I'm, I, you know, I, I worry about it it, because you just, like you said, you're starting to figure out your depth, and then if you lose another starter, I mean, that's just that's just a recipe for disaster. Like you said, it, it's against a a Washington team that is, you know, okay, they're good, they're good, they're not great, but you don't want to drop another one to them. No, you don't. And, and you know, at a certain point, if if guys can't stay on the floor, it's like, what are you figuring out as a team? Like, yeah, Landry Shamit looked good last week, but now he's not playing with the team potentially. And you know, Dwayne Washington looked good last night. But what does he play like with the actual team? We'll get back into this. When we come back, Cardinals have two games left. Doesn't feel like they mean a whole lot, except how much do these last two games matter for Cliff Kingsbury's future in the Valley? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.